Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that, I, that the mother of my Lord should come to meet me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Glory to you, Lord. So if you don't mind, I want to invite you to bow your heads as I say one more brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. It's great to be with you today, and it's great to share in this passage together. This passage, or part of this passage, is known uh, as the Magnificat. It's one of the most famous songs in the history of the world. So we're going to unpack that in just a few minutes, but I want to begin with this question. What are your traditions around Christmas? What are your traditions around Christmas? And so this is going to be slightly conversational. When is it okay to go and get a Christmas tree? Before Thanksgiving? The weekend after Thanksgiving? No. Do you even go and get a live tree? Do you have to cut down your tree? When is it okay to begin listening to Christmas music? Before Thanksgiving? My son, Blaze, he says Halloween is the trigger. That's the date. <laughs> and my son, Caden, says that's unholy, and they go back and forth. When, is it after Thanksgiving? Yeah. What are your traditions around Christmas? Some of you know a little of my story. Um, in my home, traditions were hard to come by. My mom grew up in a very broken home, and, 
And yet she wanted us to enjoy different traditions, and so she would try things out. And to make it even more difficult, I'm from Central Florida originally, and there's just something missing when it's like 80 degrees, and everything's dry and brown, and there's just orange groves and cattle, and it doesn't seem like a white, snowy Christmas. So it shouldn't have been surprising, but it was. When my wife and I and our kids, we were invited to share Christmas in Lake Wales, Florida a few years ago, and we walk in, and there is Hawaiian music playing. And she says, welcome to the Sorensen Christmas Luau. And I was like, well, this is interesting. And my wife said, well, this will be interesting. And she handed lays to us. So we're wearing different Hawaiian garments. And she says, I actually researched and have your true Hawaiian names. And I can't re remember what they were. And she, she was calling us by our Hawaiian names all week. And we had a Hawaiian-themed breakfast and lunches. And my wife does come from a lot of tradition. And, and she had heard at one point my wife liked this, this food called honey-baked ham. Any, anyone like honey-baked ham? I'm not sure you'd like it after seven days. But my wife, my, my, my wife, my mom, she's like, hey, I got honey-baked ham to make this a great luau. And I was like, great. And uh, we, we ate honey-baked ham on Christmas Eve. And, th and then we ate it on Christmas morning. And then um, when the next day after Christmas, I said, hey, what, what are we thinking about for breakfast? She goes, honey-baked ham. Every day of the week, we kept, we kept you know, fiddling with this ham, and I don't ever want to eat that ham again. But uh, near the end of the time together, my mom was trying so hard and my, my brother was getting a little grumpy, and she said, Chris, Christopher, Christopher Dale, she pulled out the middle name, Christopher Dale, be thankful. It's Christmas. You know, um, I don't know what you're walking into this season of the year with, but we all approach it in different ways, in legitimate ways. For some of us, it's a real high. For some of us, honestly, it's quite a low. But my mom was on to something. You see, it's not just about what we're receiving that makes this season so special. It's how we respond to that, that which is given to us. And last week, we looked at the story of Mary, this little girl who has a visitation from Gabriel, the head of the angel army, and he said, I have got great news Good news, not just for you, but for all people and for all times. You're going to have a baby, and he's going to be the promised Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one, and it's going to change everything. And so we talked about that last week, and if you missed, you can just go to our website under worship, and you can kind of catch up on our sermon series. And so that was receiving the good news. Today, we... we we examine, we reflect, and we respond to this good news as Mary responds. And I think our passage has this truth to teach us. The Christmas story is a journey we take, a song we sing, and a legacy we embrace. Let me repeat that. The Christmas story is 
A journey we take, a song we sing, and a legacy we embrace. Let's dive into this. Point number one, the Christmas story is a journey we take. The passage begins like this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. For those who haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, we're in Luke chapter 1. And here's what's going on in the story thus far. An angel has appeared to Zechariah, who's an old priest, and said, Hey, you and your wife, you're going to get pregnant in your old age, and, and you're going to have a prophet of the Most High. His name shall be John. And so there's this miraculous declaration that Elizabeth will have a baby. And then, that was a couple weeks ago, then last week we looked at how Gabriel came to Mary. And for those that weren't here, she's somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. She's a nothing, a nobody from a nothing town with really a nothing background. And God says, I choose you. And in this beautiful, innocent fashion, she said, behold, be it unto me, as the Lord sees fit. And through Mary, this promised Messiah is to come. And uh, let me tell you a little bit more contextual uh, information. This is something you would quickly gloss over. Why do I say we're called to take a journey? In those days when you were betrothed, promised in marriage, as a young lady, you then weren't allowed to leave your home unless you had someone by your side you definitely weren't allowed to go far away. So if you went around your village, you had to have somebody accompany you. And so as a 12 and a half year old, 13 year old girl, you'd stay in your home for about a year, and then you'd move into the groom's home until the marriage. Mary receives the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and it changes everything, and it's scandalous. It breaks really what... The, the society says she should do. And she, in haste, makes a journey. It's something we could easily miss. You see, Mary didn't just receive the good news. She ran with it. And it wasn't random. It was uh, directed. The story goes on. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth is her relative. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And for those who are in the literature, this is a word picture. It's uh, the languages of a little sheep, a lamb jumping for joy in a field. John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leapt when Mary walked in the front door. And not only that, Elizabeth goes on, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You see, the Christmas story not only calls us to courage, it calls us right into gospel community. Mary's not just randomly running with this news. She's 
running to her relative. And what's so amazing, Mary, up until this point, probably hasn't told anybody, right? She runs to Elizabeth, and without even opening her mouth, Elizabeth confirms the promises of God that have been given to Mary. That's what happens in the midst of gospel community. It's no accident that Christmas is one of the highlights of the church calendar year. We are created to do life in worship together, to come to this little manger, this good news, this gospel together. This week, I, I asked my own family, I said, what is your favorite part of Christmas? And they, they thought about it. They gave different answers. You know, for me, every year was different. Honestly, it didn't feel real stable. My mom, one year it'd be a luau, next thing it might be a, a Western theme. I mean, come on. But there was one constant. On Christmas Eve, my mother would insist we go to First Presbyterian Church to the candlelit Christmas Eve service. And with young and old, rich and poor, we would come together and we would sing Silent Night, Holy Night. And I knew in that moment I and we were created for something more. And Mary knows she's created for something more, not just this gospel for herself, but in the midst of a broader, shared gospel community. The Christmas story is first a journey we take with this good news, together with this good news. Point number two, the Christmas story is a song we sing. Have you ever sung a song to someone you love? Just give me a nod or a blink. So uh, my wife and I, we met in Chicago. My, my undergrad, we met at Wheaton College, okay? And uh, I was a junior. She was, she was a senior. And uh, we, we met in the fall, whatever year that was, decades ago. And, uh, and she invited me to visit her home in Minneapolis. And uh, so at Thanksgiving, I drove with her to Minneapolis. And um, there's been a movie made about her father. It's, it's called Meet the Parents. Anyone seen, <laughs> any, anyone seen that movie? Like, that's her dad. And I was terrified. Like, this guy, I, no joke. Tom, if you listen to this, you got to admit it and confess it. You threatened me. <laughs> he threatened me. Honest to God, he threatened me. He was terrified of how serious, we had been dating only like a month, month and a half, but how serious we were. And uh, anyway, uh, on the way back to Chicago after that break, I, I was scared. I was like, I don't, I've heard that you not just, you don't just marry the, the, the girl, you marry the family. And I was like, I don't know if I can marry that guy. <laughs> and we were crossing over the Wisconsin border. You're driving through Wisconsin. Bless you, Wisconsin people. You have so many cheese curds for sale. And I'm like, I don't know if I can make this drive and marry. I just, all of it, I was so overwhelmed. And my wife saw me sitting there. And, and, and she turned to me and she goes, Paul, I have something to say. I'm gonna love you forever. Forever and ever, amen. Join me. As long as old men sit and talk about the weather. As long as old women sit and talk about old men. 
Okay, we can stop. <laughs> and she didn't sing. But she sang to me that day. You see, that's what Mary's doing here. This isn't just uh, an informational thing when Gabriel comes down. This is a love story. This is a love song that changes everything for Mary and changes everything for us. She didn't simply want to believe in the goodness of God. She was led to sing about it. And this is where we get the story, the Magnificat, this song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him, which means to be all in all of him and honor him. For all those who fear him from generation to generation. You see, this song for Mary, it's, it's deeply personal. She begins, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's where we get the, the word magnificat. It's from the Latin. My soul magnifies the Lord. It literally means it enlarges the Lord. But I think the tender meaning is this story enlarges me. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Notice how personal it is. He did this for me. He's saving me. People in my humble estate, I'm a nothing, a no one but they'll remember me. It's not just a story out there. It's a story for in here, for you, and for me. That's what Mary's singing. And it's deeply powerful. She goes on. And he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. What's so amazing is this is clear that Mary has grown up in and around the church, the synagogue. Historians tell us she would have been illiterate because she's poor. Nonetheless, when she went to worship, the songs of the past that echo through the corridors of history, the songs of redemption, would be channeled in this moment. She would have heard the song of Hannah, for instance, from 1 Samuel. She would have heard the songs of David. She would have heard the songs of Moses and Miriam from Exodus. And now she sings her song. And it's deep and rich in theology. It balances two things that come together at Christmas. The might of God. The picture here is of a mighty warrior coming to fight for us. To crush darkness. And then the mercy of God as a loving father that will stop at nothing to love us. Basically, she's singing, God sees me. God saves me. God loves me. Now, how does this message, how does this song align with our society? When I was a little kid, I was scared of Christmas. I was asked this question over and over again. 
Have you been good or bad? Have you been naughty or nice? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake, or you get a lump of coal. That's a scary message. I was scared of that. Mary is not saying that story. Mary is saying the Christmas story is not about us being good. It's about us being loved. You don't give a gift. I heard this quote from London last week. You don't give a gift to someone because they're perfect. You give a gift to someone because you love them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And this truth, it was changing everything in Mary's soul in her life and it changes everything in ours. And do you know this story of Christmas? That you're loved with an everlasting love. That God would stop at nothing with his might and his mercy to come and get your attention and save you. Point number one, the Christmas story is a journey we take. Point number two, it's a song we sing. And then point number three, it's a legacy we embrace. The passage finishes with these words. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their throne and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. In the rich he's sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Do you know the story of Abraham? Do you know the promise made to Abraham? In the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, God made a covenant with Abraham. He says, Abraham, if you trust me, not only will I save you, I'll save the nations. And Abraham says, okay, what's, what's the deal? He says, you got to leave this place. you got to leave this people. And you got to follow me with your all and your everything. And, and, and this man was wealthy. And he's like, you, you leave all of that and you follow me. And if you do this, not only will you be blessed, but the nations will be blessed through your trust and your obedience. And, and Mary is saying, I get that and I receive that. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm, I'm on a roll today. He had daughters too. Mary. Last week we talked about the Son of God being promised to come through Mary in the line of David the promised Messiah. This week, she's saying, now it's in the line of Abraham. And I'll say, and we receive it in the line of Mary. All three coming together in this Christmas story. You don't have to, you don't need to bring anything. God says, I'll be your everything. Whatever you face. And there's, obviously there's a warning we read in here that I don't want us to just gloss over. Uh, John Piper, a, a pastor and a theologian, writes these words in reference to this passage. Her, Mary's words, are a warning to Theophilus, who was the original recipient of this letter, a wealthy, high-ranking official. 
They're warning to Theophilus and to us not to make the common mistake that because God is great, he's partial to great men. Or because God is exalted, he favors what is exalted among men. How could God be partial to the things which in our world are more often than not substitutes for God rather than pointers to God? You know, we, we live by this grid. Have we been good or bad? Do we measure up? And there's all this pressure on us. And we can bring that into this season. We can bring that pressure, that perfection to this Christmas story. But let me, let me share this good news. It's not about your perfection. It's about God's affection for you. You don't need to be someone to be a blessing to everyone. Some of us come from great homes and great legacies. Others, honestly, have been adopted. We don't, we don't even know who our biological parents are. But what Mary's saying is we stand in a corridor of history and we're the next in line to receive the glory and the good news offered in God, his might and his mercy. So you're never alone and you're never without influence and purpose. So in summary, the Christmas story is a journey we take. It's a song we sing and it's a legacy we embrace. So as we close this time, I, I, want, us, I want us to consider three calls to action. The first is this. Don't just receive the gospel story this Christmas. If you've received it, go with it. Join others in this season and in the year ahead. You're called to courage and you're called to community in the birth of Jesus. The second is sing. Melissa, you've got a beautiful voice. David, I've never heard you sing, but you're, you're created. Oh, not right now. <laughs> you're created to sing too. We're all created to sing a new song that's been passed down from Moses, Deborah, Asaph, David, Mary, and now us. And last but not least, I invite us to embrace our legacy, that we stand and receive this good news, and there's a chorus of people that have gone before us, and God willing, there will be a chorus of people that go after us that know this good news that changes everything. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I rejoice in Mary's example of not only receiving the good news with humility, then responding to it with her all and her everything. God, I pray that you would give us courage to run into gospel community. And in that community, I pray that we would sing a new song. And God, with the responsibility in the opportunity of what it means to stand in the legacy of David and Abraham and Mary and others, we say thank you. May we glow with the glimmer of Christmas morning. In Jesus' name I pray.